Just thanks everybody for, for joining us today. Um, the, the title of this um, webinar that we're running is focused on um, eight weeks of Christmas, so last minute tips and tricks to optimize Christmas uh, based paid marketing activity. So what we've got today is we've got a, a host of people um, and colleagues who we're going to speak about this topic and really, really dive into what last minute tips and tricks we could we could suggest to ensure that you're eking out um, performance in what is going to be an absolutely crucial um, Christmas period. Forget, you know, even without this most recently announced um, lockdown that we're going into, um, Christmas period this year was always set to be one of the most important on record, probably the biggest on record. Um, now we've obviously just had the recent announcement about the UK-based lockdown, which is obviously followed on from European-wide lockdowns and potential further lockdowns across the world. Um, we think that for, from you know we're going to see a really important part to play for for e-commerce really, and particularly if you're retail operation, you know you might be listening in today as somebody who's you know just purely online or you might be um, sort of mixed mode that a number of our clients are who are now saying you know we need to make sure we're, we're delivering the value that we need to from an online perspective so this session today then is going to really focus on how we can eke out all of those little performance improvements between now and, and, and Christmas, really, knowing that Black Friday is in, you know, just over three weeks away, and then you're followed by Cyber Monday and a whole raft of other sort of festive-based activities that we would expect to see. So, introductions then. My name is David Norris. Um, I'm Performance Marketing Director here at MediaWorks. We've also got Ben with us. Ben, would you like to introduce yourself? Yep. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Ben Holman, I'm the Head of Paid Search at MediaWorks. Tom? Hi everyone, um, I'm Tom, so I'm the Senior PPC Consultant at MediaWorks, um, but I kind of specialise with the, the e-commerce and Google Shopping side of things. And uh, James? Uh, hi everyone, I'm James, I'm a paid consultant here at MediaWorks, really focusing in on that um, paid social. So, so we've got a, a number of uh, topics that we'd obviously like to like to discuss today. But what I would be saying as well is, if you've got any questions that you'd like to ask, or you know anything that comes up, or you want clarification on them, please don't hesitate to to put the questions in the Q and A. We'll pick those up at an appropriate time. So, I guess that the, the first question I, I've got now is around from um, your perspective. Uh, what is the thing you would focus on to maximise those last-minute performance marketing activities? And James, I'll come to you first. Um, I think that the key thing with this is is going to be um, it, it's all about planning those campaigns. Um, we need to make sure that we've got our, our plans in place early on, so that we can um, so that we've got that sort of capacity to to test and to learn now instead of. Uh, when we're like a couple of days out of out of Black Friday, um, channels such as Facebook or even Google, they, all campaigns have like a sort of learning period that they have to go through whenever you make a big change, be it creative, budget, etc. And we want to get that those plans in place so that we can sort of mitigate the learning and the the, the struggles we might have we might um, have while we're learning. We also want to we know that when we get close to Black Friday. Um, and, and big changes like that, that, there's, that there can be strain on the, on the creative review system. And um, particularly now that we're going into another lockdown and as we experienced on the first one, that put a big strain on the, the creative review and getting those ads um, reviewed 
um, by the by the platform, by by play, uh, by Facebook, etc. In time to go live that day. So we need to, if we plan early, sort of mitigate that. Um, and also, like according to Facebook, 35% of people sort of really start their uh, their sort of Christmas shopping sort of mid November. So there's there's no reason not to start your offering, start your planned campaigns, and start your activity a little bit early, trying to try and beat a bit of that a rush. Particularly now that that there's that we're in this sort of unprecedented situation. Well, well done for getting unprecedented in there as well, James. Uh, I think I think that's fairly accurate. Fairly accurate. And I think it's a really good point that you made. Tom, what would you say? Yeah, well, I think kind of looking at it from my perspective, obviously Google Shopping is one of the biggest sort of channels and tools that you can use to drive um, sort of traffic and revenue during, I guess, a seasonal period that we're in right now. So kind of when we look at Google Shopping, we then have to look at the product feed that we're supplying um, within our merchant center. So I think you know, from experience, this is one of the areas that is the most developed in terms of client accounts um, and therefore offers the most amount of sort of opportunity where we can sort of really sort of um, generate some real benefits and performance increases in particular for this sort of um, this seasonal period. So what I mean by that is making sure that we are optimizing our product feed and the benefits that we see from that is increased exposure. So essentially, if the data we're providing within our product feed is of higher quality, we can appear for more searches. And off the back of that, what we see is an increase in conversion rate and return on ad spend. So obviously, from a performance standpoint, that's significant. Um, and also, I guess one of the, the common misconceptions is that with Google Shopping, we target based on keywords. That isn't the case. The, the, the key way that we are able to influence performance is based on the quality of data that's provided within our product feed. So therefore, again, that, that kind of is showing the biggest area of opportunity to really have a, a data-driven um, sort of seasonal period where we can sort of be sort of, um, so I guess, turning the dial on different performance metrics that we want. And fundamentally, when we go into a period like this, we need to make sure that the product data we provide to Google or other advertising channels is as accurate as it can possibly be. The simple reason, I guess, for that is because we want to be promoting accurate data to our customer base. There's also another side to it that we need to make sure that we are following all the compliance and sort of rules and regulations that sort of advertisers like um, Google um, sort of put out there. One of the big things that I really encourage everyone to be doing um, currently is checking their management centre for any type of policy violations. Google um, chooses this time of the year to assess all of the, um, the merchant centre accounts. So, you know, your merchant centre for the last 11 months might have had no issues whatsoever, um, but we've seen an increase in, so I guess, the number of, of warnings for different compliance things that need to be dealt with, and if they're not, can kind of cause. Um, more severe sort of repercussions. So yeah, that whole sort of product feed optimization piece, but also making sure we're we're keeping on top of the, the policies that, that advertise sort of advertising channels such as Google sort of make us follow. I think that's that's a really important thing to make sure that we you have a successful um sort of Black Friday and Christmas period. I think I think the points you make are, are well made. I think we're, we're experiencing some audio challenges with your with your mic, Tom. So I'm sure Chris will, will support you with that. So I'll just come to Ben. Ben, from your perspective, what would be the you know the thing that you would focus on to maximise those returns? Yeah, I think the, the really key thing for me is how you use data to to drive that strategy and really make some impactful decisions on that. Um, you know. Data is and, and should be, during this period, your best friend. It should be the one thing that you analyze consistently um, and frequently as well. You know, not, not just, you know, on a, 
on a weekly basis, but on a daily basis as well. Uh, and not just recent data, but, but past performance data as well. If you're in a an industry that you know doesn't really change, your, your stock is pretty similar year on year, especially in e-commerce, then it's it's fundamental that we use those data points to to really drive what what you want to do, kind of moving forward. You know, using um, you know different sources, um, different trends that you you may have seen previously, or, or you know what you what you anticipate is going to going to sell pretty well over the next few weeks. Using all of that information is essentially what is going to make or break this this next eight week period. So Ben, I guess I guess on that, people often say, "Son, what type of data? You know, what what would we be we be looking at? Um, you know, as we're sort of looking for best practice in accounts, what would be some of the key metrics that you would you would suggest that people focus on or, or look at? And I guess you know, James, feel free to chip in as well here from a social perspective. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot to be perfectly honest with you. There's so many metrics available out there, but it, it's about making sure that they all correlate in the same way. You know, we can all look at things like bounce rates and click through rates and all that kind of stuff. And whilst all those numbers might be, you know, really really good and they look well above average and that kind of thing, if they aren't turning into revenue and they aren't turning into conversions, they're, they're pretty much meaningless because traffic and bounce rate is not going to develop you as a business. Sales and revenue is going to develop you as a business. So obviously conversions is the, the absolute first touch point that you should be looking at. Um, you know, what is performing well, what isn't performing well. But once you've kind of analyzed that data, it's then doing that little bit of a deeper dive and moving into those, not necessarily secondary metrics, but those other metrics, which, you know, are going to help that conversion number, but they, you know, they aren't fundamental in it. And having a look and seeing how those then affect, you know, your, your performance overall. Um, you know, if you see pretty strong conversion rates, but the bounce rate's a little bit higher than you would like it to be, it doesn't necessarily mean it's, you know, it, it's an issue. Obviously, it's something that you would like to improve, but, um, you know, it, it's not a fundamental issue that you need to resolve right now. If you're sending a, a ton of traffic to a, to a URL, let's say, for example, that isn't converted, then, you know, is, is the issue there quality of traffic? Um, you know, what do those search terms look like? There's so many different data points that we need to assess on a consistent basis that it's all about making sure that timeline correlates with what your business goal is. Yeah, and I think a big a big tip for me, actually, on this would be, I know we spoke about this about one of our clients this morning, is around, you know, the, the data. You know, James used the word unprecedented earlier, and it is, you know, what we're experiencing right now is largely unprecedented. However, um, I think it's a really important point to say that, that we have dealt with a lockdown previously now. So I wouldn't just be advocating sort of looking at year-on-year -year performance or looking at what you achieved last month as a benchmark or barometer. I would also be going back to that sort of March-April moment. Um, if you're a UK retailer, look at sort of what were the key things that changed? Was there anything that went on there that you saw on your site or your platform? Because I think that there's learnings to be taken from, from that period as well to really help drive forward what you're going to experience now. So it's not like we haven't, for example, experienced a, a lockdown like we had the first time. So again, I think you know using that data alongside your month-on-month, -month, year-on-year data and comparisons is, is a really important point. Um, I, have a, I have a question to come in on, James. Um, it's been asked by Kirsty, one of the one of the people who's um, watching the, the, the session today is, what advice do you have for businesses with smaller budgets battling for paid social space in the lead up to Christmas? I think there's a, there's a few things that we can look at. It's obviously it's it's in the, in a lot of instances that the sort of the approaches that you take for for your bigger um, accounts and, and and bigger clients who are, who are spending more can be very different. 
and it's difficult to sort of relate with when you when you're looking at operating on a much smaller scale. Um, I think that the key things to, to to sort of take is to try and do more with less. So you're going to have to think about your audience a little bit more. Try and make sure that you're being that your ads and your creatives are, are really tailored to who that audience is and what that objective is. You won't have a massive a massive scope for for testing, but if you can use any of the learning and the testing that you've done earlier in the year, and um, to influence sort of how how you how you word your copy, how you phrase your your copy, what creatives people resonate with, what which audiences work, it will really sort of help boost that. Um, and I think you, you you focus a little bit more um, on on your sort of your your high performance stuff, so your your retargeting. Um, potentially like your prospecting, use a lot of lookalikes um, in that and, and sort of focus on a, a sort of performance basis rather than do that sort of broad awareness pieces um, that, that sort of will generate a lot of top funnel engagement for, for the whole site, but you might not have the budget to pull off and stand out in that market. Yeah, I think, I think, it's, a, I think it's a fair point, to be honest, James. It's, it's about understanding what you're trying to do in terms of that funnel from my perspective. You know, what we see typically with bigger brands, bigger budgets is, will spend a heck of a lot of money in terms of that real awareness piece. And probably actually, if you've got a smaller uh, budget, it's about understanding how you can actually focus people on targeting people who are more actively in the market for your product or service. So who are further down that decision-making funnel. And as you highlight there, I think, you know, things like lookalike audiences are a great way to, to go through that. And I'm sure we'll discuss those more as, as, as we go through. So, um, James, just to follow up a bit on that then, uh, what should any client be providing to uh, what should any client be providing to their agency uh, to ensure their campaigns are in, in the best possible place? Or alternatively, you know, think about if you're doing it all in house, what are the, the actions that you would expect for for you have to coordinate to make sure that you're in the best position to deliver sort of social paid success? Um, yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think the first the first point of, of this is probably like get those offers established. Sort of have a rough idea of like when do we go into promo? What is that promo? How long is that going to last? And does that change between Christmas? It is a it's a promo heavy period, but getting that planning um, established and in place early early doors gives us the, the, the sort of the the foundation to to build everything else from. We know what's going to happen. We, we can then timeline our, our changes. We can work on what audiences we're going to look at. We can work on the creative. But we really need to know what that offer is. And we do understand that, like, particularly um, given the current climate, like, that might be a little bit more fluid than it would have been uh, had the announcement not come out this weekend. We might, have, we might see reactionary promos and reactionary stuff in result to that. But you're going to be more su successful if you, if you plan um, the stuff that's planned will will no doubt reap better rewards than, than any sort of um, reactionary stuff. So getting everything in place and sort of understanding that I, that early doors is, is going to be really, really useful. Um, I think second point you probably want to look at is, is what channels and what sort of budgets are going to work for you. Um, now, now, channels might be like you, you might use your core, um, your core mix of, of, of sort of Facebook and, and, and Google and shopping to, to sort of provide the bottom of the funnel where Facebook um, sort of feeds that middle to middle to top, but also as the remarketing piece, you can also got you've got your pro programmatic and um, retargeting at the bottom possibly. 
So it's identifying what channels work for your business, what have you been using um, through, the, through earlier in the year and what has worked really well, um, and then sort of trying to work out what are your goals. If all of your shops are now suddenly closed and you've got an awful lot of stock that you have to shift online, you need to be prepared to put the budget behind that because it's, it's one of those things where planning, like we're going to go into a competitive period and we really want to make sure that we're planning for the channels that are going to provide us that awareness and then the budgets that are going to allow us to, to, to sort of hit those commercial goals that we have either internally or, or just targets that we need to sort of hit. Um, and, and getting an idea of, of, of what that looks like and sort of almost forecasting, almost predicting what we're going to, what we expect to see and um, will give you a better idea of, of, of planning, planning that uh, moving forward. Um, and I suppose the final thing that you really want to think about is, is those assets. Um, Black Friday and, and this Christmas period becomes extremely competitive. Everybody's going to be operating online even more so, um, so now. So we really need to get those assets to stand out. Um, the market is going to be saturated, um, but, but we, we need to think about creative ways that we can sort of make those assets stand out. Um, take as much inspiration from the audience and your organic aspect um, content as you can to try and find out what resonates with your, your particular target sector um, and, and, and just look for creative creative new ways, try new new ad formats. Um, video is, is obviously like the, the key one, um, but it can be hard to produce in, in a short period of time, but it, it is better, it's more engaging. Um, but it's just, it's, it's really about your creativity um, and, and, and letting that sort of guide, guide how, you, how you go. Like, don't be afraid to try something a little bit out there because it's more likely to, to resonate with people and capture their attention than, than something that's uh, a little bit more, more standard. Yeah, and I think I think it is, isn't it? It's about it's about how you stand out and what what sort of how do you do that and, and what the approach is. Ben, do you want to come in on this? Yeah, so I think there's obviously dependent on on, on where you are advertising and, and what your product is. There's there's so many different ways that we can use data as we've kind of touched upon on on really maximizing what potential we have. We we all know that the next eight weeks is going to be absolutely critical and it is going to be probably the biggest Black Friday Christmas period we've ever had. The next four weeks we can't go shopping. So everything has to be done online. So Black Friday is already going to be bigger and, and better than it and than it ever has been. It's going to be really, really competitive. So I think that the one thing that absolutely has to be in place if it's not already, it definitely needs to start very soon is a coherent, structured plan, you know, having a look at what you're going to do and when you're going to do it, specific dates, planning ahead well in advance because, like we say, this is going to become more and more competitive and the, the quicker you start to implement these kind of things, the, the better it's going to be for you. I know this is something that we actually touched upon in the, in the last uh, session that we did around Google Shopping, if we take that for example. So last year, Google had a seven-day kind of period prior to Black Friday, where they wanted everyone to upload all of their promotions to ensure that they did go live for Black Friday. Now, last year was incredibly busy, but it's still going to grow year on year. So if there is a, a lot more traffic anticipated to be shopping online and a lot more retailers who are going to be taking advantage of, 
of online sales because their physical stores cannot open with the, the, the new implications of lockdown, then there's potentials that there might even be more delays with, with these kind of systems. So whilst you know we all use technology every single day, it is imperfect. And, and Google being one of the, the biggest proprietors of that is we, we need to be planning well in advance. So you know having things like Black Friday promotions ready to go in advance it is going to be key to making sure that you're there at the right time during that period. I think as well as that, there's there's a lot of data that we can use around demographics that you may have that your agency may not have. So, you know, internal data of, of these customer profiles that you have in store, what, what is the, the customer profile of, of a, an online customer versus an offline customer? These offline customers are now going to become online consumers. So how do we translate the messaging that we would usually have in store to, to online? And how do we ensure that we don't lose those customers during that key period? So, you know, what demographics buy, what certain products and that kind of thing. All this information is really valuable um, to, to really maximize performance over the next, the next two months. And Ben, a question that's been asked by Rick Renton, and I know we talked about this earlier, but, but you know, he's highlighted what is programmatic. And then I guess the key question around how does programmatic fit with with the schedule and where it fits in the funnel? Yeah, so so programmatic can spread throughout the entire funnel because it's it's generally a classified or we classify it as another version of display, um, but display on a wider scale. So if you do Google display, let's say, for example, the Google Display Network is not the entire market. Um, it, it's around about 65 70% of the market. But there are certain websites that simply do not work with the Google Display Network. It is one of the biggest display networks available um, via ad platforms, whether it's Microsoft or, or Google. But programmatic allows you to really branch out and, and potentially reach websites that you never would have thought of hitting before. Um, so, you know, a lot of Google Display is taken up predominantly by potentially news websites and other kind of websites like that. But there are other advertising options available that simply aren't part of it. And I think programmatic can come in in a variety of different formats. So a lot of it can be awareness. Um, so, you know, creating that upper funnel, um, you know, brand awareness or product awareness based on interests or demographics or all those kind of things. But um, where, where we've really seen it flourish is in that remarketing piece. Um, there's some really unique uh, assets that you can have within programmatic that simply isn't available with the Google Display Network. Um, you know, we, we use dynamic product ads quite a bit with, with Google Shopping and, and that kind of thing. But there are a lot of advancements with programmatic that you, you simply can't get with Google. Um, I think the, with, with programmatic, it, it does require a lot of commitment. As, as with anything, it, we need you know, time to make sure that it works and, and it needs some solid investment to, to ensure that you get it to the place that you want it to be. Um, but yes, it, it, it's definitely a really viable option if you have, you know, potentially not necessarily a lot of a lot of stock that you need to, to get rid of or anything like that. But if you've got a big brand awareness piece or a big remarketing piece that you want to push, then then programmatic may be the best option for you. Well, thanks for thanks for that, Ben. I think it's a really good point about where it sits in the funnel and, and the relevance of programmatic, because I think that people probably understand that what display marketing is and display remarketing. But I think often because of Google's dominance in that space, uh, people often think about, for example, the Google display network. And it's actually, you know, we know it's it's much wider than that. And there is other opportunities to be to be had. And that actually other opportunities that encompass Google and not just a, a Google focus. I want to now talk about um, shopping feeds. Um, so I want to talk to, to Tom Chandler about um, the role of shopping because I know that, 
that shopping plays a massive role in terms of um, e-commerce activity around Christmas. You know, retail is going to be increasingly important, as we know, um, you know, it shows no signs of slowing down whatsoever. Um, but I think for us, and I know we've talked about this extensively before, but the role of shopping feeds, I think, sort of underrated. And, and I guess the question would be sort of, why bother with the shopping feed, Tom? Yeah, well, I mean, fundamentally, the, the shopping feed and the product feed is what powers sort of online advertising channels that allows you to sort of advertise on Google Shopping, but also it can be used for other channels, such as obviously Facebook or even programmatic. But I guess take sort of Google Shopping, for example, this is the, the channel where, you know, a large amount of, of revenue and traffic can be driven, especially for this seasonal period. One of the key, I guess, um, benefits and things that I would I absolutely sort of recommend doing is making sure that if you do have a promotion, make sure you're using Google Shopping to push that out there. So if you do have a reduction in prices, if you do have a certain promo code, whatever your sort of promotion sort of exclusive offer is, make sure that it's being pushed out through sort of a channel like Google Shopping, because in a, in a simple way that um, how users interact with shopping ads is, is really key to this in the way that they are essentially before they click through to your website, they are able to see what that product promotion is, the price of that product, delivery estimates, all of that key product information um, should be, could be provided within sort of the, the shopping carousel that displays your products. So I think that's that's a key sort of thing that to, to sort of focus on from a channel's perspective. The other side of it, as I was kind of saying at the start, is making sure that our foundation, the data we're providing through this product feed is fully optimized, massively influences the performance essentially that we're able to generate. So kind of some of the, the studies that kind of we've been running from having a, I guess, a standard product feed to a fully optimized product feed, and we see up to a 40% increase in click-through rate the simple reason that if we can populate titles and descriptions with more clear-cut information, that obviously includes sizes, materials, pieces of information that are really useful to users, click-through rate off the back of it will increase. And then we also see on the flip side of that, a 20% increase in sales. And it's for the simple reason of the performance benefits that generated through sort of even the most simple optimizations um, to our product feed can really sort of allow us to generate some sort of substantial performance. And then I guess the, the other side of it that I kind of wanted to touch on was um, obviously the introduction um, of Google sort of announcing the, the shopping tab becoming free. So this is something that was rolled out sort of two weeks ago, and it's, it's a pretty big announcement. And I think everyone sort of should be um, benefiting from this as, as best as possible. So essentially a bit of background what it is. So services across Google is where Google allows you to sort of show your product ads on sort of different parts of the Google network, such as the shopping tab now and Google images. So if a user was to click on one of those um, product listed ads, you wouldn't be charged for that click. So it's essentially free advertising. So how we optimize that and, and get that better and improve performance is through making sure that this product feed is fully optimized. So now it's no longer a case of appearing at the top positions because of how much you're willing to pay. It's based on how or the level of quality you're providing to Google. So that there is, is a massive opportunity. And it's almost, in a way, a level playing field that, you know, if you are a small e-commerce um, sort of retailer, you can appear for um, key generic searches um, on, for example, the shopping tab and really sort of generate some incremental sort of performance from that. Based on, on the last two weeks, we've seen up to 5% of traffic coming through the, the shopping tab that's been made free by Google. So, you know, that's that's a, a pretty significant amount of, 
of traffic that's there to be had that otherwise you perhaps wouldn't be able to appear for because you perhaps didn't have the budget for. But I think that's a, that's a huge opportunity um, yeah, in, in that regard to generate incremental gains. And kind of going back to the point regarding sort of quality, users that are um, clicking on sort of um, product listed ads on the, on the shopping tab, conversion rates for those listings are up to 25% higher for the simple reason it's now based on, on quality, not just how much an advertiser is willing to pay. And just to sort of jump in on 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 the the sort of shopping feeds, they're also they're also really important from a social perspective. Um, you've got obviously your dynamic product ads. They're 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 built um, using a catalog which is based on your feed, um, and making sure that 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 is optimized in the best way is going to see you've got the best um, retargeting and remarketing return. Um, along with with using it for for dynamic prospecting such as Dabber, etc. It's, it's 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 one of the things that we see quite frequently with with a lot of clients is that sometimes they don't they don't correctly match their their catalog with the tracking, and it means that if you're not if that catalog isn't necessarily linked up with your tracking correctly, sometimes you can't um, pull variables to individual products, which really sort of damages the performance of your of your um, dynamic um, product campaigns. And um, with that, it, it can sort of have a bigger detrimental effect. There's also stuff like feed attributes. Um, so one of the things that you'd use on shopping to sort of improve that quality is, is sort of editing the attributes within the feed. Um, on social, um, you those attributes display slightly differently. For example, you don't necessarily need um, brand it, your brand name in the title because it's already going to be on an ad which is from your brand um, so you can think about what other features and uh, what other selling points can you put in and um, to best utilize that sort of 25 character limit before it goes before it gets uh, before your headline gets uh, truncated um, and then also particularly in your pro promotional period and um, using sort of the creative overlays with your with your um strike through prices or 30% off on, on those specific products linked directly from the feed can really help sort of boost those conversion rates during those promo periods. Um, so feed optimization is equally important for social as it is for um, for your wider shopping activity. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, we're looking at some of the most recent statistics coming out of Google that said sort of 73% of UK Christmas shoppers were prepared to buy from a brand that they'd not previously purchased from. And I think that, you know, just following on from that, Tom and, and James, in terms of what you've said, both of the opportunities that you've highlighted around sort of, you know, focusing on that product feed quality really helps sort of cut through that because it's a really good way to get your brand in front of somebody who's who's already actively searching or actively engaging um, with, with that area, really raising the awareness of your brand in, a, in, a, in an audience, in a non-branded uh, audience in that, in that way. So I think that there's a huge opportunity there for, for organisations to really consider how they best present their information, how do you best engage with, with users. And I think that for me, you know, things like engaging with shopping and, and looking at your socials are a massive, massive um, sort of part of that. Ben, I know we talked about data quite extensively or, or touched on it. But from my perspective, sort of 
how can you best use data to ensure you're really driving efficiency and effectiveness during this period of channels? Because, you know, we know that, that, you know, money is tight, regardless of whether you're a big retailer or a small retailer. It's all about driving the most effective returns in the most efficient way. So I guess, you know, how can you use your data to really support you with that process? Yeah, I think we've touched on this a little bit already, but I think, you know, kind of touching on the, the, the stuff where we kind of refer back to what has worked previously and what hasn't worked previously, that is going to be a real kind of baseline for you to then move forward. So again, not only looking at what, what's happened recently, what's happened last year, what's happened over the last few years, what products or what product categories have worked well for you um, during this period, are there specific discounts that seem to work well for you? Obviously, in a, in a mainly consumer world, everyone is looking for the best price possible. But, you know, it, it's not always viable to just go and reduce everything by 50% or something like that because that really starts to eat into profit. So it's about finding what that sweet spot is for you versus your competitors versus what your profit margin is going to be, um, especially during this time where demand is going to be so high. I think messaging is also a really key aspect to this as well. Um, we're in a bit of a – this Black Friday and Christmas period is going to be unlike any other – and I know we actually, we talked about this kind of when the, the first lockdown came in was it's it's a bit of a scary time. No one really knows what's going on. And, and the last thing a lot of people want is to have sale messaging just constantly shoved down their throat. Um, and it actually, uh, what, one thing we did discuss in, a, in an earlier kind of session was how a, a very sale heavy promotion actually ended up being some really bad PR for a, for a huge um, online retailer in the UK earlier in the year. They got a lot of social feedback, which wasn't very good. It, it was kind of a position of, you know, everyone's a bit concerned about finances and that kind of thing right now. And, and you're showing us that you, you want us to come and buy from you right now and you're going to give us everything under the sun. It wasn't the the most empathetic messaging in the world. So that's something that we need to, to incorporate into this as well is, yes, we want, to be, we want to be smart and we do want to sell products, but we also need to think of the consumer as well because whilst we've managed businesses and we manage paid accounts and that kind of thing, we're all consumers as well. So what kind of messaging do we want to see as consumers? And whilst everyone is different, it's about making sure that we get that right and we don't kind of, you know, over you know push that in, into people consistently um i think something else that we, we've certainly heard of quite a bit over over the last few years is there seems to be quite a bit of panic around black friday and around christmas and you know if if something doesn't go the way that you've planned how quickly do you make those decisions to turn things around and i think my, my opinion on this is and I'm, I'm pretty sure the guys will come on this as well is Knee-jerk reactions can be very detrimental to, to you as a business. So, you know, blips can happen. They, they do happen. They, they can happen with every single business in the world. You know, the odd off day can happen. But making sure that that off day doesn't cause a dramatic business shift is, is really fundamental. So sometimes it's, it's simply easy to just take a step back and just really judge that performance again. You know, um, there's always that kind of sentiment around if you're in a bad mood and you've got to send an email, you should write the email out and leave it for half an hour to make sure that you still feel that way in half an hour's time. We should still feel that kind of way when making business decisions. You know, just because you've seen something that's happened yesterday, does that mean that your entire business plan has to change or your entire marketing strategy has to change? What you might not think in that real knee-jerk reaction time period is, Yesterday was a Monday, and a Monday is really not a good day for us as a business. So do you want to completely change what would then 
affect a weekend, which may be a really, really positive time of, uh, of the week, you know, making that impact could also affect the weekend as well. So we want to make sure that we make everything, make every decision consciously. We want to make sure it's a blip and not a trend. If it starts to become a trend, then you need to take action. Now, a trend could be over two or three days. It could be over a week. Again, it all comes down to your business, what your kind of reaction time is and, and what your sales look like. If you are a business that only really functions on a weekend, then you can't make decisions based on Monday to Wednesday. You know, th these are the kind of things that we really need to be thinking about, not only on a shorter time scale, but a longer one as well, to make sure that you aren't sacrificing potential over the next eight weeks. Because, you know, it's, especially for a lot of smaller businesses who maybe predominantly are brick and mortar stores, the next eight weeks could make or break your business. And it's about making sure that you do things right and you do things in the most efficient way possible. I think if you are, you know, um, someone who uses more advanced tools, if, you, if you've been doing paid for a while and you use things such as SA360, then data exclusions are a really key factor during this time as well. So we all anticipate that over, you know, the, the three or four days that we're going to have over Black Friday weekend, there will be some significant spikes in search volume. There'll be significant spikes in conversion rate. There may be significant spikes in other metrics, such as bounce rate. Um, we, we need to, to judge those data sets individually. However, if you are using SA360, then data exclusions allows the, the Google algorithm and the smart bidding strategies to essentially exclude those time periods. Um, you know, what we don't want to do is have the algorithm judge those three or four days and think, oh, this business is going to perform like that from you know, the get-go because they don't know that it's Black Friday. They just see a big increase or big spikes left, right, and center. So we need to tell them that that isn't the case and this is a one-off promotional period. And that, you know, essentially allows that period to be excluded and the, and the system will not learn from that. It will just take previous data and, and develop from there on in. So that, that those would be the kind of real key points over, over the next few weeks. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, a, a, a really good general questions came in around, around sort of the links with what you said then around from, from Christian that says, do you think there's an argument that the UK consumer had started to switch off from the unedifying elements of Black Friday, seeing those fights for TVs in Asda and such, as an example? Do you think all bets are off on that movement? Um, now we're in this strange environment where all shopping is being forced online this month. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good question. I think, you know, over the last few years, we all saw those adverts or, you know, those, those new things um, about five years ago in America where everyone was punching and kicking each other to try and get a TV that was £100 cheaper in, in Asda or something like that. You know, that was, that was what Black Friday's perception was, but that has really developed over the last few years. And we've seen the online consumer become more and more tech savvy. We're, we're looking for different products online. We're looking them, you know, on a wider scale. The amount of time that it would take you to go to 10 different shops compared to going to 10 different websites is incredible. You know, you can do 10 different websites in half an hour. You could probably only do one shop in half an hour if you if you were to look for it in that in that sense. So I think especially with the shift that we are seeing this year, there are there is no, you know, stores going to be open essentially during Black Friday. If we're only allowed to purchase you know, actual necessity items, then, you know, I, I highly doubt you're going to see TVs for sale in Asda at £100 off because they're not a, they're not an essential item anymore. Um, you know, there, there's a lot more, there's more important things to worry about for, for in-store, but that creates 
an, and I'm going to use the word unprecedented, it's going to create an unprecedented online demand, something that we've never seen before. And we see this year-on-year growth, and it happens every year. It's consistent. More people become aware of Black Friday. Amazon do their own thing with Black Friday. You know, the amount of online retailers that get involved in this just grows significantly every year. And a lot of retailers this year will simply have no choice but to be online and to be advertising on Black Friday. So we don't know what that growth is going to look like. I think it's going to be insane. It's going to be the biggest year-on-year growth we've ever seen in, in Black Friday online sales, in my opinion, but simply because it's kind of being forced upon us. We have to do it this way. I mean, I, I'm a kind of person who's – I've never gone into a store on Black Friday. I do everything online anyway. But you're going to get a lot more people who are doing this. And if we take a lot of the learnings from earlier in the year, there was a certain demographic, you know, uh, generally the older age brackets who weren't really tech savvy. They always went to the corner shop or they went to the local Tesco or Asda or something like that and did their weekly shops. They all had to spend four or five months where all they could do was online shop. So now there's a brand new generation of people who previously weren't involved in the, in the online world that are now consumers online. So you've now got a brand new demographic who is also going to get kind of bought into this Black Friday scheme. And it's there's just going to be an unprecedented level of demand, I think, online. And, and online is definitely where we need to be for this Black Friday. Yeah, I'd throw a few comments into that as statistics, if you like, in the sense that, you know, in recent research by Google, they were saying that 65% of consumers are more focused about finding best gift rather than best price. So I think from our perspective, it's an interesting point where people seem to think that um, Black Friday is all about getting these incredible deals, etc. But I think it's also an opportunity for you to just make sure that you've got your brand out there, you've got your product out there in that best category, not just on we're going to compete on price and it ultimately then can become a race to the bottom. I think it's about how you put your your brand and product values across in that setting, which I think is, is, is of huge importance. I also think that what we're seeing right now is, is people are going to be forced to research a bit more online. You know, we've always seen the model of people researching online. I think it was 85% of people who bought a product offline had researched that product online. So I think that that from my perspective, there's a really interesting point there whereby people are now not going to be able to necessarily go and buy online. So that that online, sorry, offline. So that online search is going to start much earlier. So I think there's an opportunity really about, you know, not just focusing on Black Friday as, as a specific day, um, but also thinking about, right, how do you drip feed to the audience and lead up to Black Friday? How do you potentially um, test you know, we always talk about testing promos, testing what resonates, etc. Is there an opportunity to, to think about your audience and how you engage with those on a on a sort of runner, a promotional offer? For example, and it might be, you know, 20% off on this coming Friday, or it might be free delivery, or it might be, you know, any multitude, or you know, buy buy two, get the third half price, or or whatever promotion you decide to come up with, but be testing that in the lead up to to, to Black Friday. You know, don't just rely on on Black Friday. And then the other thing I'd be saying is do make sure that you're taking your learnings from Black Friday and Cyber Monday and Cyber Monday and the more sort of elongated Christmas period because it's absolutely essential that you're using that data and using that, that insight. I know there's a number of other questions came through, but I'm conscious, always conscious of time. So we'll, we'll try and pick those up um, potentially, to, potentially outside of this session. But I just wanted to finish with sort of the five, the five main points really that I've taken away from this session, which is is number one, I'd be saying, understand your promotional offer. 
you know, understand what your offer is going to be and how that's going to impact on your audience and how it's actually going to motivate them to act. Um, because it is going to be a case of if there is more people online and there is more consumers online, more businesses are going to be focused online. So the competition is also going to increase. So you yeah, really have to have an understanding of how to best make your offering stand out. Um, secondly, produce a mapped out coherent plan. I know James talked on this in terms of channel selection, but Ben also highlighted the need to think about what is that coherent strategy taking learners from you know, the point of awareness right through a conversion. And then also potentially, once they have converted, how do you keep that customer coming back? You know, the repeat purchaser, how do you build loyalty over this period? You know, we've said that 73% of consumers, um, you know, are open to purchasing from retailers they've not bought from before, but it's still inevitably easier to keep that customer once you've got them. So again, be thinking about how you ensure that customers that have bought from you or do purchase from you, um, during this period, stay with you and, and really build that out. Google Shopping is going to be absolutely, you know, crucial. I mean, Tom quoted, I think five percent of traffic um, was was now being seen through through the Google Shopping platform, and you know, from the free listing element uh, in particular. So I think that you know, use those free listings um, to your advantage. Ignore at your own peril, really. Um, there's some pretty useful information already out there if you just um, do some basic sort of Google searches around how you go about getting on those free listings. Um, but yeah, we would always be advocating you take the opportunity to, to get that exposure because, you know, 5% is, is still quite a significant proportion. Um, I would be saying, you know, the, the penultimate point would be temper being sort of overly responsive. You know, there has to be a balance between using the data but not being overly responsive. You know, make sure that you're not overreacting to, to data anomalies rather than data trends. You know, we deal with data trends, not really data anomalies. So from our perspective, we're really keen that people are using that data to really drive their ongoing performance and not just seeing, for example, oh, we sold more at 4 p.m. on Tuesday afternoon. Um, for, that We had a great period as to that's not going to be every Tuesday afternoon and it might not be 4 p.m. tomorrow either. So again, the, you know, do temper uh, your, your data sort of insight and, and intelligence that you're gathering. And then finally, uh, the point I'd, I'd hear Tom say is um, shopping feed quality matters. So, you know, if you've got a shopping feed that you're utilising, that you're engaging with, that you you think, you know, could make a big difference, if you use them on, great. If you're not, our advice would be start using a shopping feed if you're in the retail space, because it really does drive performance, not just across shopping, but across social and also can have impacts on things like search as well and give you really interesting insights. So from our perspective, I think they'd be the five key actionable points that I'd be suggesting that people go away and review and think about have we got all of those things in place. The final point I'd be making is to that end is if you have got a shopping feed or you're thinking about shopping feed, um, then you know, do contact us following this, this um, webinar. You know We can do things like feed audits to look at the quality of your current feed. And if you haven't got a feed, we can have that conversation with you around, well, what would a, a feed um, do? And we can send you more information on and, and details on, you know, how you can use shopping feeds to really drive performance during this period. So I think from my perspective, I know it's been a bit of a whistle-stop tour um, and we've covered quite a lot in this session, but hopefully we've given you really good key insights that you can take away and make this the most successful um, online retail um, you know, quarter, quarter on record, really. 
Um, I think everything that's going on is set up. The online space is going to be increasingly competitive, and it's just so important that you know if you're operating in that online space that you're making sure that going back to the point that we made with Ben is that you, you're as efficient as a, and as effective as you possibly can be during this period. Um, thanks again for listening in. Um, I know there's a, a session um, next week. We'll follow up with more information about that next week. Um, but thank you very much for, for tuning in, listening in, um, bearing with us during those issues that we had with Top Sound. We do apologise for that, but you know we hope the points got across. And obviously, good luck with this um, next period. It's it's important. And if you need anything from us here at MediaWorks, do let us know. Thank you very much, everyone. Cheers, everyone.